At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's the Son of a Butch podcast. We come to you every Wednesday. Um, I was up at the LPGA Tournament of Champions last week, the first uh, tournament on the LPGA Tour, and uh, this week's guest is the commissioner of the LPGA Tour. Um, I got to meet Molly last week for the first time, and it's really cool to have her on the podcast. Um, listen, I work with a number of players that, that play um, on the LPGA Tour. Um, I think the women's game has never been stronger and to get an opportunity to sit down and talk with Molly about it um, uh, is, is a really cool opportunity for me. We had the uh, commissioner of the Asian tour, Choman Thad on uh, recently. Um, if you haven't had the chance to check that podcast, check it out. Um, I, hey, I, this past summer, I asked Jay Monahan if he wanted to come on the podcast. I'm still waiting for that call from Jay, but um, it was really cool to, to, to listen to Molly talk about all the great things um, that's going on at the LPGA. Um, if you haven't had an opportunity to go to an LPGA event, whether it's a regular event, whether it's one of their majors, do yourself a favor and go check it out because uh, I'm a huge fan of the product. Um, I'm a huge fan of the players and, and I think they're doing some great things. So really excited to um, have everyone listen to what Molly has to say about the LPGA Tour. So sit back and enjoy. So Molly, the LPGA 2023 season underway, uh, the Tournament of Champions at Lake Nona last week. Um, I was up there. What a great event. Brooke Henderson uh, wins the first one. You've got all the stars. Um, a lot of the stars on the LPGA were on the leaderboard. You must be pretty happy with the way the, the season started. Yeah, it was awesome. First of all, it was great to, to meet you in person. And uh, it was a fabulous week. I mean, I think think again the leaderboard was was fantastic at the end I got to um, sort of see the finish and the crowds were awesome the music on the 18th tee so much energy so much positivity the celebrities were amazing you know you had a really wide variety of different types of, of players playing in it and all were just so impressed by the the talent of our players but also just the personalities and the engagement so overall it was a great start um, Hilton Grand Vacations what a fantastic partner I got to see Mark Wang at the end of the at the end of the tournament and he was just beaming and did a great job with the trophy presentation and Aaron Stewart and I think they were all flying pretty high and it was it was a really great week. So the 2023 season, uh 33 events over 100 million in prize money, um 11 states, 12 countries there was a great um thing going around social media, an animated version of all the places um, the LPGA is going to go in 2023. Um, do you feel like probably more than any of the tours around the world, the, the LPGA really is a global tour, not only from the amount of players that are playing from around the world, but the destinations that, that the LPGA goes to? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, particularly being, you know, a first year um, commissioner. And I, I traveled to, I think I hit 28 or 29 of our events. And I got to see golf in all over the world, you know, and see how people embrace the game, how people love our athletes, 
seeing, you know, you're sort of one week in, in a Midwestern town and the next week, you know, you're in Europe or you're in, you're in Asia and you're sort of seeing the commonality among golf fans, which was really fun for me to be able to see. And I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to get out to as many events as I could possibly get to and see our fans and see our partners and see how our players engage. So, so, as you said, so globally, and, and it's, it's so I love that about our tour. I think that is a significant competitive advantage working with brands and partners all over the world. Um, and, you know, you really are truly, we are the best players in the world playing on this tour. You know, it's not just the best players from the United States. It's the best players from the, from around the world. I think we have 35 countries maybe represented who have cards this year, which is, is pretty incredible. And we had, I, I don't quote me on this. I think we had winners from 14 different countries last year, um, which again, the commonality is golf. The commonality is women exceeding at something or succeeding and um, excelling at something that's really hard, really challenging and inspiring people through the work that they're doing. Over 500 hours in 2023 on broadcast TV. I mean, the obvious question, Molly, because I mean, I work with girls on the LPGA. Um, I go to the tournaments. Uh, I think the product is great. But the constant theme around women's golf is how do we get more eyeballs? How do we get more people involved? How many? How do we get more people to the tournaments? Um, you're the ninth commissioner of, of the LPGA. Um, how do you feel that's going and what is the plan moving forward to just try and get more people to, to see what, what the, the ladies on the LPGA are doing? Yeah, it's definitely a, you know, it's a, it's a chicken and egg, right? If you don't have the fans, you can't drive some of the same revenue that you, you need to have the manpower and the technology and all the things you need to have more fans. So I think we're trying to sort of start that chicken and egg cycle a little differently and, and it really invest in it, really invest in, you know, fan engagement, fan development, fan acquisition, really trying to have, I always say, you know, the world needs to see how amazingly talented our athletes are and how engaging they are and how interesting they are and hear their personal stories as well as their, their golf talent. So that's a huge priority of ours. And it's sort of this, you know, idea of two-way communication too. We have to know who our fans are. We've got to be able to talk to them. We've got to be really aggressive and creative, but even things like with the, with the tournament this past week, you know, bringing in um, people who love golf that aren't necessarily always connected to the LPGA to start to spread the word and start to promote our brand and, you know, you have a whole new audience that you bring in with some of these celebrities who have huge fan bases um, themselves. And so getting them to say the things that they were saying, you know, I mean, you hear the quotes from Marty Fish and others saying that if anyone thinks that they could play <laughs> with these women, they're a hundred percent wrong. You know, any, any single digit hand, I think he said something like any single digit handicapper wouldn't have even a morsel of a chance playing against um, these best in the world athletes. So we're also focused really a, a lot on technology. I mean, I think technology, Technology can be a great equalizer. And so we want to invest in, you know, in improved scoring and um, in improved uh, website and in, improved just overall, um, you know, CRMs and ability to sell, sell and promote our, our product to such a broader audience. And technology is now allowing that. So thinking about how we utilize more digital assets and streaming opportunities. So just to bring more people into under our tent. And I think the product will speak for itself. But we have to be really, really intentional with that. And I think we have to invest in it. I will say the other thing is getting partners to help us with that. 
And I think that, um, you know, uh, one, one example would be the KPMG Performance Insight Program. You know, when, when we invest in the, in the, um, the performance insights and, the, and the, the data, we can start to tell our story and start to say, you know, hey, this is what the women were doing on the tour last year. And this is how it compares to what the men were doing. And, you know, we're, we're exceeding um, the, some of their numbers in a lot of categories. You know, the proximity to the whole from various distances. Um, Minji Lee was leading the, the world, not just the, the women's I mean, game. If you look at the way that Lydia Ko played last year, if you look at her ball striking, if you look at, as you mentioned, Minji, I mean, they're doing things that no one else in golf is doing. The, the, the way that they're performing. I, I thought a great moment from last week, Molly, was um, in her interview, Nellie Corda. I mean, she played the PNC uh, with her dad and a bunch of the guys were saying, you know, Justin Thomas, Jordan Smith, they were all saying, she's got the best golf swing, you know, in the world. And I thought it was great. Nellie said, well, you know, they should come to more ladies events because I spent last year, I went to the Women's US Open down at Pinehurst and I got to the range early because there's so many girls that I've seen on TV, but I haven't had the opportunity to actually see their golf swings up close and in person. And as a golf instructor and as a golf swing nerd to actually just be able to stand on the driving, which is the first time I'd really seen Nellie Corda hit golf balls in person. And I got there about a half hour earlier before, you know, Marina Alex did who I was working with. And I just sat and watched um, Nellie hit balls. And you know, she, she has one of, if not the best technically sound golf swing in the world. And, and when you play and you, you go out and practice rounds with these women, I mean, first of all, they hit the golf ball so unbelievably straight, it's, it's hard to fathom because the guys, the guys hit it all over the place, right? Because they're hitting it with much more speed. But when you look at the quality of the product, do you think sometimes, Molly, that you're a little bit behind the eight ball because everything is compared to what's happening on the PGA tour, right? From the way they run it, from their sponsorship, from the brands associated with it, from the television contracts that they have. Um, it's, it's almost like it's not a fair comparison. It's not apples to apples. It would seem it would be because you're both in the competitive professional golf space, but trying to compare what you all are trying to do on the LPJ versus what Jay and the boys at Ponte Vedra are trying to do with the PJ Tour. They're two completely different things. Yeah, I mean, and that's what, you know, that's a little bit of what I was talking about before with the, with the chicken and egg. You know, I mean, you, you, you have a set amount of resources that you can use to to um, activate and our, you know, be, for many structural reasons, you know, most of it stems from TV deals, right. And media deals and kind of how the revenue flows in there. And so you're, you're, you just don't have the same set of resources to use to put on the same type of product, but we're, we're thinking of this as an opportunity to, to keep growing and to keep doing things differently. And we still have a, a lot of room to go. I mean, if you think about um, how interesting the product is and how some people just don't, yet know about it and haven't quite engaged. So we think there's a huge opportunity there. We think that the talent and the, and the data that we're showing will continue to grow that. Um, but yeah, it is, it is apples to oranges. And so we've got to make sure that we do everything we can do within our power and we use our partners. We drive revenues in different ways. We can 
continue to be creative. We continue to, to, to give different opportunities for new fans to come on. And uh, I think we'll get there. I mean, we are growing. We're also working with, you know, a lot of the industry to sort of help grow and, and, and to, to use resources from around the, you know, from around what they've been doing. So, yeah, I do see that as a different word. We're apples and oranges, but I think we're making really good progress. And um, yeah, I did love to what, what Nellie said. It's like, hey, this isn't a surprise. And I also liked what she said is, you know, come in and you'll see a whole, a whole lot of women who swing the club really, really well and who are phenomenal athletes and uh, phenomenal players. Nellie, obviously being one of the biggest stars on the LPGA Tour, and, and, and in my opinion, one of the best players on, on, on in professional golf, regardless of whether it's men's or women's, um, how important do you think um, Nellie getting um, new sponsors, big, massive sponsors, Nike coming in and looking at Nellie, who plays on the LPGA Tour and saying, listen, we want to have her as one of our athletes, TaylorMade, one of the biggest club companies in the game. We want to have her as part of our brand. Do you think that's hopefully going to be a catalyst for more of the the, the golf manufacturers and the golf companies saying, okay, let's invest in these great players? Yeah. And I think also just other brands, not just the, the manufacturers, but I think others seeing, you know, the, the value of these ambassadors. And, and if you think about it, you know, the numbers have grown really high um, from prize earnings for our players. You know, we had 27 players make over a million dollars last year, um, uh, which is which is great. And uh, a couple more over the two million dollar mark and the three million dollar mark. So that's all growing. But I think the, some big dollars like in tennis really comes from the endorsement deals that they have. So we want to we want to put our players out there so the world sees the value of them as as really strong corporate ambassadors as well. So we we think that that's a big opportunity, and we think that they should be showcased in that way. I mean, these are athletes playing the hardest sport in the world um, under the most sort of intense pressure situations and performing like none other. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a big, it, it, some of the big announcements over the last couple of weeks have been really good for the LPJ, obviously really good for our players, but we see that as a big growth opportunity for the top of the leaderboard as well. We'll continue to grow purses. We'll continue to grow their earnings. Um, but we also think that they can take a really big leap up in the endorsement dollars that they bring in. We talked last week on the range at, at Lake Noto. Um, you know, you were saying that you were really proud of the fact that there were so many women that had made over a million dollars um, in prize money last year. The the pay um, the pay gap between what the men are making and the women. I mean, how do how do you as an organization go about trying to bring that gap closer together and have more players on the LPJ tour? Because uh, it's interesting when I when I do talk to some of the girls on the LPGA tour, the, the difference in their lives versus what they can afford to do off the golf course. I, I, I'll give you a great example. Um, there are girls that come up and and take lessons from me, and they said, "Listen, can I get on a launch monitor?" And I'm like, "You don't have a launch monitor?" And they're like, "No, nah, they're they're thirty grand. I I, I can't afford that." Um, whereas Pretty much the majority of the guys on the PGA Tour, everybody's got a $30,000 launch monitor. That's an easy thing. You see that on the PGA Tour as a way that you have to have something, a product like that to try and get better. But that's hard for a lot of, of, of the women on the LPGA. That's, that's a big investment for them to make relative to how much they're earning. Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to a little bit, I, I hate to use that phrase still, but the, the chicken and egg, when, when you don't have that, that technology or you don't have that 
team around the team that can uh, elevate your game, then you're one step behind when you reach the first T. And so, and even things like travel, you know, when you're, when you're, first of all, we're traveling all over the world, which is a really great thing for us, but it's, it's hard on the body. It's hard on recovery. It's, it's hard on all of those things. And when you're, you know, doing all of your own travel planning or where you're not flying privately and you're, you know, having to be on long flights and, and you need that ability to, to get your body ready to, com- to compete. And so those are all things that we're working on. What are ways that we can get partners to help um, reduce expenses? Think about how we, you know, we have some minimum payouts for some events. So when you, because don't, don't forget when you get to an event, you may spend all this money and you get there and you don't make the cut and you come home without any revenue and you now have a, a decent amount of, of cash that you've outlaid to be there. So we're, we're thinking really holistically about the player experience, both from what's the environment at the tournament site, what's the environment that they had before they got to the tournament site, and then how do we help them make a living? I always say that's commensurate with their with their world-class talent. I mean, the differences are pretty intense. You know, I said that we had 27 we had 27 people make over a million dollars last year on the PJ tour. I think they had 127 players make over a million dollars. Um, that's a big difference. The hundredth best player on the LPGA last year made $167,000 in earnings, and it probably cost her that amount to be out there. So, you know, that's a really tangible goal for us to say that the hundredth best player in the world should make a living playing golf. I mean, that's a, that's something that has to change. Um, And yes, we're doing much better at the top and we want to continue to, to pay our stars when, when there are stars and when they're winning at that level, they should also make a a money that's commensurate with that really world-class talent, but a hundred best player, the hundred best players in the world should make more than they spent, you know, significantly more than they spent. So we're looking at all of the ways that we can do that. Obviously, raising prize funds and and being able to to grow our corporate sponsorship business where we can invest and subsidize and kind of grow those tournaments. That's the most important thing we do. But there's other ways to do it too, short term that, that we're focused on. Let's take a moment to thank For Wellness for supporting the show. You guys hear me talk about them every week. And that, the reason I do that is because I drink their coffee every week. I know lots of people are focusing on health and wellness as we start the new year, but what I love most about their coffee is that there isn't anything artificial in it. No artificial ingredients, sweeteners, creamers, and all the junk that isn't good for you. It's only the good stuff giving you more energy without typical crashes you get when a lot of your coffee and if you have a lot of sugar in your coffee. Give it a try and use the special code CH3. That code will get you 20% off your order plus free shipping and a free starter kit worth $30 when you visit forwellness.com slash podcast. Again, that's the code CH3 at forwellness.com slash podcast. Your predecessor, Mike Wan, who's now at the USGA, um, I read that you asked him for some advice and he said, the tournaments are the most important thing. Have a relentless pursuit of trying to get the best tournament opportunities for the players. Um, In 2023, where everybody is trying to get corporate dollars, um, the USPs that that the LPGA has for you, when you go out to try and sell that to corporate sponsors, um, what is that message that you're trying to to get across and and bring them into the world of of the LPGA? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think we have some... 
significant, you know, competitive advantages in in that area. Um, obviously, we've got the best in the world, and that and uh, sponsors and and everyone wants to align themselves with the best in the world. We so there's there's real commercial upside in golf, right? I mean, there's tremendous hospitality opportunities. We are on television with great branding opportunities. So there's a great business case for engaging with the LPGA. And that continues to grow as we get more fans and as we grow our audience and as we grow the talent and the player's talent continues to grow. There's that real strong commercial value that they're getting out of engaging with us. But in addition, they're helping us solve a really important problem. You know, they're, they're really getting to show the world that they care about equity. They care about women's sports. They care about highlighting and empowering women who are doing something really hard. So I think we're really positioned very well. And our, our partners are really responding to that. A lot of them have said, listen, we, we love the business value of this. And we're super excited about that because we think it's moving our business forward. But we also love that we get to say to our female employees or to our customers, we care about women and we care about equity. And in sports, you know, pay equity is one of the last places where women are not paid properly. Where in corporate America could you say, hey, listen, I know you're really good at your job, but you're going to make 5% or 10% of, of what Joe's going to make um, because that you know that that's where you are in life and so we want to change that and i think our partners want to change that and they want to help us solve that problem so it's a really best case scenario in my mind it's like listen you get these great benefits of being a an lpj partner a traditional sponsorship benefits and partnership benefits but you also help us solve a really important challenge and you get to really talk about your values to your customers to your employees to the world one of the things that you and i spoke about um last week um, I know you're incredibly excited about some of the venues and some of the courses that the LPGA is going to play, not only on the LPGA, but also if you look at what your major championships, the venues that they're starting to go to, those are going to be some of the great venues, some of the great iconic golf courses in the United States that people that follow maybe the PGA Tour have seen other tournaments play on. Um, the U.S. Open this summer at Pebble Beach. I think that's going to be a fantastic showcase um, for the women's game. Yeah, I mean, you we talked about it. I mean, just the the Pebble, obviously, Baltas Raw, Liberty National, on Heath. I mean, it just the, the list goes on and on. I mean, we're we're um, and then we've we've always played at some great golf courses that are regulars on our on our tour. But um, you know, to be able to showcase their talent at venues that people know, it, it again, I think a big part of this is saying, listen, we value your talent. We value your skill. We value how good you are at this really hard game. And we're going to have you play at the very best uh, venues in the world. And, and that's what we're doing. And, and I think it makes a gigantic difference. And um, our players are really excited about it. I mean, when I, when I sit and have dinner with some of the players, you know, these are athletes. This is their, their forum. This is their career. They care about the golf course. They care about the details of the game. They're nerds. They're, they're, they're golf nerds. And they, that's their whole venue. That's their, that's their work environment. So it matters when they roll up to a golf course, you know, where they're playing and, and, and what it feels like and, and how people value and respect, uh, you know, those venues. So we've got a lot of great ones on the schedule and we're excited about it. How do you balance, Molly, um, the tour's role and the player's role? Because I've always been on the player's side of things. I mean, obviously, I was never a player, but I've always worked for professional golfers, professional athletes. And so it's easy when you're in... My, on my side of the fence, my lens is, listen, without the players, there is no tour, regardless of which tour it is. But then coming from your standpoint, you're like, okay, well, we're providing 
you this opportunity. So how do you you find that balance between what the tour, listening to what you have to do from the LPGA standpoint and growing what the LPGA is doing, but also understanding and, and listening to what the players want as well? Well, I mean, I, I don't think that they're separate. I mean, I think that they're actually the same. And one of the things I really love about this job is that our job is to serve the membership. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we wake up every day trying to make the LPGA better, which in turn really is to make the players experience better, to make their lives better, to give them more opportunity. So obviously there's times when what the full organization needs might not be exactly what one individual needs on the tour, but ultimately what we're trying to do is elevate their experience. So I don't see them as separate. I think sometimes you know, people disagree on the way to get to the end result. But at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same thing. And this is essentially, this is their tour. That's the way the founders set it up. It's a membership organization. Um, we want to to do what they want us to do. At the, at the same time, they don't always have the full perspective, right? They don't ha- understand the ins and the outs of selling sponsorships and partnerships and and growing the business. And it's it's certainly challenging, but they're really, I think they believe that it's their tour and that they have a voice and all of that. We have, you know, player directors on our board. We, we very much value and listen to what they have to say. We hear their input. We try to get as much info, input from players as we possibly can, because ultimately we're all in this for the same purpose. You know, that's one of the, the great things about this job is we're not, we're not serving an owner. You know, I always think about that in, in professional sports. We're serving the membership. Um, in some professional sports, you obviously have the team owner, you've got the league, and you've got various levels. Here, we work directly with the players to grow the organization for, for them. How important has the international presence, in your opinion, been to the growth and the development of the LPGA? I mean, if you look at the amount of players coming from the LPGA Tour in the last 10 years from Asia. Um, I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that in the men's game. I mean, everybody's you know, raving about Tom Kim, who Korean came from the Asian tour, now playing on the PGA tour. And we're starting to see more of the Korean men start to come where that's been going on in, in the LPGA for you know the last 10, 15 years. Do you feel like the growth of different markets is been a big part of the LPGA's growth as an organization. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I got to play with Tom Kim, by the way, out in uh, out in Vegas. We had a great time. I played nine holes with him, and then I played nine holes with with uh, Freddie Couples. So it was quite a quite a day for me, um, and, and he was phenomenal. But no, I, I think like listen, your your market is the world. So, and, and it's the other thing that's different than other professional sports leagues. If you think about it um, as the commissioner of the LPGA or of the PGA, when you, when you wake up, you don't have someone handing you a schedule and saying, okay, this is, you're going to play Dallas this week. And you're going to play, um, you know, you're going to play Florida this week. And this is how this is going to go. And then you figure out all the other pieces of the business. Our main thing, as you said before, is how do we create that schedule? And that's really hard, you know, to find the right partners in the right venues at the right, with the right purses. And so, um, you know, when your world is bigger, when the market is bigger, and when you can hit, you know, you can find the top sponsor in Korea, that gives you another playing opportunity over there. That gives you another opportunity in Japan. That gives you an opportunity in Scotland. It gives us an opportunity to, to have as many tournaments as we can possibly have that makes sense for, a, you know, for the schedule. So I think it helps with just the size of the market and the size of the interest around the world, um, the size of the fan base. It also helps with, you know, international television rights. That's a big 
revenue driver for us. And, and so, you know, there's interest in, I think we're in 170 different markets that we were televised in. So that drives revenue for us, really, really valuable revenue that we can reinvest in the tour. So I do think that the, you know, in, embracing the global nature of our tour has been really good for us. And, um, you know, again, we're back to the best players in the world competing on the LPGA. Do you think we'll get to a point to where, so uh, to me, an interesting example. So I worked with Siwoo Kim for about three years and Siwoo just got married and his wife played on the, the ladies um, tour in Korea and she won tournaments and stuff like that. And the running joke from Siwoo is she makes mo way more money in endorsements than I do <laughs> because golf, women's golf in Korea is so big, right? It's such a huge, I mean, I, I mean when you look at the, the tournaments that get televised, um, when the women go over and they play in Asia, there's certainly more people at those events than there are when the men go play on the Asian tour or when the men go. Um, how do we get to a point where that, like you said, that pay equality, um, they're superstars in Korea and in the US, they're not. Yeah. Well, I think that's just another another um, example of if if they see it, if people actually get to know it and people engage with it, it's very appealing. It's the very appealing product. I mean, when I went to Korea, like you said, I was blown away as I was remember I was driving out of the course and I was like, I don't know what the numbers were, but it was 50, 60, 70,000 people there that day. And I think it was a Thursday. Um, and, and there were fan clubs all dressed up in different colors for their favorite players. And there was just so much excitement. I, I think that's extremely possible here in the U.S. and in Europe and in various places. So I just to me, it gives me a hope and opportunity to say this this game, these players are super appealing. And, um, you know, we're going to continue to grow it in, in all markets. There's always going to be a segment of the U.S. population to where if they're not American players, they're going to say, listen, I'm not a I think tennis has gone through that a lot where there haven't been this amazing group of American tennis players, both uh, certainly on the men's side. And, and then people say, listen, we don't we don't watch a lot because there aren't Americans playing. How do you guys balance that? Because I think some of the best stars you have are, are not Americans. And I, and I think that's one of the strongest things that the LPGA has that you have all of these unbelievable stores that aren't from the US and it makes the product more unique and more interesting just by the fact that you've got these people that have come from completely different backgrounds. They speak different languages. Um, I, I think that's one of the strong suits. Yeah, I mean, the world is trying to be more global now, right? I mean, if you look at all the other professional leagues, um, they're really trying to brand the, the US-based um, top professional sports leagues are all trying to branch out internationally. We've been doing it for a long time. So um, we just have to keep rec recognizing that. But I mean, like you said, look at some of the stars on our tour. They're, they're not um, Americans. I mean, we have many amazing Americans and, and we're really, um, we're proud of them. And, and we continue to, to elevate what they do. But Lydia, I mean, who, who could be more appealing than Lydia Ko, right? I mean, from a, a worldwide superstar, she has everything from the personality to the gratitude to the to I mean not to mention the most amazing golf game. So I think she's been fantastic for the LPGA and she's just spanned so many different audiences. I mean look at Brooke winning this weekend. I met a guy at the tournament who's I'm not going to get the numbers right, but he follows her around. She, he's from upstate New York. He's an American. He follows her around. He's become like super fan. And, um, you know, just because he's so engaged by her and, and um, the person that she is and the talent that she has. And there's a lot of that. So 
I think we're an inspiration and an example of what a real global you know, tour can look like. And I certainly think that's a competitive advantage for us. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Solheim Cup is, is a huge part of, of what happens in, in women's golf. Um, it's the equivalent of the Ryder Cup. But with so many players coming from Asia... Um, is there a way that you think that we could get more team involvement with all of the various teams, team from Asia, team from Europe, team from the U.S.? Um, do you think that's something that could, could, could happen in the future to, to make it a real competition between the best women's golfers, not just the best team concept from the women in the U.S. and the women in Europe? Well, we have, you know, we're, we're, we brought the international crown back. Yep. We have the, the, that's the back. Life Plus, you know, international crown, which I'm really excited about. We changed. I, that's a great, that's a really good event. It's a great event. And, and um, you know, we're, we changed the format around. I heard that there was a little bit of sort of confusion on Sundays and our team kind of um, ha- changed things up a little bit for Sunday. So it's going to be a phenomenal competition. And, um, you know, we already know which teams are in it, but we don't know which athletes are 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 going to be uh, selected per team. And um, that'll be a really interesting competition. But again, you know, Lydia and Brooke are not in it, which again, too, just because they don't have the, the they didn't qualify there, the Canada and the New Zealand didn't qualify. So, but th- we got to figure out a way to get them playing in that event too. Right. I mean, just because those guys are amazing. So I think that's a great competition. And I know that I've never seen it. Obviously they, we used to play that event and from what everyone's told me, it was really popular. There was tremendous energy out on the course, great affinity towards their country, team golf's fun. And and so, yeah, so I think that's a great opportunity. The Olympics are obviously a a really great opportunity to showcase the the various talents from around the world. But yeah, more of that is exciting and, and, um, you know, we'll keep being creative. Um, Obviously in 2023, the professional golf landscape, um, you know, across the board has, has really shifted in the last couple of years, uh, what what lives done on the PGA Tour um, and and that kind of constant battle, but the LPGA, um, the the European Tour, the Ladies European Tour, they have the Aramco Series. Um, I think it's been interesting that that you that you as an organization have taken an opposite tack to what the PGA Tour has done, to where your Lydia Ko is going to go play in Saudi Arabia. That tournament is going to have the exact same purse. As the men, we talked about trying to bring that pay equality down. How do you as an organization balance just the all the craziness that's going on in professional golf right now? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, like you said, we're in a we're in a very different situation. Um, and but with the with the events on the LAT, you know, we have a set of rules and regulations that allow our players to play, you know, again, within the confines of our rules to play on different tours, um, you know, in a limited way, they have to get releases if it's happening at the same time as one of our events. And we balance that with our, with our partners to make sure that we're still providing them with the very best, you know, players. And we're, it's just a constant battle of 
that. But we do want players to be able to go play in their home country and to be able to grow the game. Um, and we we think, you know, sort of a connected golf community is important. And, you know, we had a number of women play on the uh, at the Women's Australian Open uh, in December. And I know from speaking to them, they had a great experience there. So it has to obviously all be balanced. We are the leader in women's golf and we, you know, uh, plan to continue to be the leader in women's golf and to have the very best players play on our tour. But we also want to provide some flexibility when it makes sense for them. And when, you know, they want to go play at different places, we we can do that within the confines of our rules and regulations. And so we try to be flexible where we can there. Your relationship with Jay Monaghan, um, you know, who runs the PGA Tour, how much of an asset is is having that relationship and being able to to have that open communication with Jay and say, listen, um, this is what we're trying to do. Um, let me pick your brain. I mean, do you have that kind of relationship where you talk to Jay and say, listen, um, let me run this idea up by you. We're, we're thinking about maybe doing this. We're thinking about maybe going in that direction. Um, because obviously with, with the leadership that, that Jay has had to get the PGA Tour where it is, um, he must be a huge, huge resource for you. Absolutely. I mean, Jay's been phenomenal from, I mean, I think he, he called me the day that I was announced as the commissioner and, um, you know, he's one of the first phone calls coming in to say congratulations and to offer his assistance. And, um, you know, I definitely have learned a ton from, from him and from his experience. And he's been very, you know, very, very willing to um, not only just to talk, but to share information and to share knowledge and to, to help the LPGA. I think the golf community really sees the value of the LPGA and they see the value of, of helping us. I mean, that we've gotten assistance from, you know, Augusta National has been unbelievable in, in helping with, you know, introducing us to partners and being supportive of what we do. Obviously, the RNA with the um, what they've done with the AIG Women's Open has been phenomenal and the way they've really pushed on equity there and raising purses. The PGA of America, you know, Seth Waugh and, and his commitment with the KPMG, um, you know, PGA Women's Championship is really important and his commitment to, to the women's game, um, you know, and, and obviously having Mike at the USGA, I mean, that's, that's amazing for women's golf. And he has a whole different lens on what to do to grow women's golf through the USGA's platform. Um, you know, we, so, so I think that the golf community sees, first of all, how important it is for the women's game to grow just more broadly. Um, but also wants to help. They, they, they want us to get closer to equity and they want us to, to succeed. And so that's been great. And we're really uh, appreciative of what everyone does for the LPGA. You mentioned Mike Wan, who um, had the role before you did. What are some of the things that, that when you look back at his tenure at, at the LPGA that you look back on and say, you know, that was, that was a really, really cool thing that he did. That was a really, I mean, he really set this up for me to now help this grow. When you look at kind of his tenure, what are the things that you take away from that um, that are that are hugely positive, not only for you, but what you think his role has been in moving the women's game forward? Yeah, well, first of all, Mike's like a, he's a visionary, you know, he's an idea guy. He's very winning. You know, he, he people want to follow him. I mean, he's He's been, he was awesome for the LPGA and I think he had a real plan and he implemented the plan and he, he got the organization to the point where we now have, you know, we don't have PGA resources. We, we still need to grow revenues in every area. We've got to change some structures around. We've got to do a number of things to be able to, to be able to invest in, in, you know, whether it's subsidizing purses, whether it's, you know, sort of having other programs for players for, for 
for their own performance. There's lots of areas that we still need to grow, but he set us up for that success. You know, and again, as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, he really focused on the tournaments, which is what we have to do, right? The first thing is what is the product that we're putting out there for our players to play in and for the fans to engage with. So he really focused on that. He focused on really good communication with the players. And um, so I think he set us up for the the next step. And what he likes to say is, you know, listen, everybody has the baton for a little while and then they pass the baton. And, you know, obviously our, our team, our leadership team has the baton now, and um, we're trying to advance it to the next level. It's all, it's all linear, you know, hopefully it's, it's linear and, and it's, it's very, the upward trajectory is palpable. Um, and we've been able to benefit from that. But I think our job is to say, okay, what are the next big moments? What, how do we drive sort of revenues in different ways based on the technology, based on the sponsor interest to be able to reinvest in the, in the tour? But yeah, I mean, again, Mike, just like, like I said, with Jay and, and, and Martin and, and Seth, they, he, you know, I called him two days ago. Hey, what do you think of this? You know, what do you, what do you, what do you see us doing next? And so it's very much of a partnership. And I feel that. And I felt that from minute one with the whole golf community. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, Molly, where do you want the LPGA to be in five years? I mean, what in, in a perfect world, if you could say, okay, in five years, we would have been able to do some of these things. I mean, obviously, you can't, you can't predict the future. You don't know what's going to happen globally. But the idea of where you want the, the LPGA to be in five years, how would, in your vision, um, if you could kind of go through your wish list, what would be some things in, in five years that are different about the LPGA, where it is today versus where you hope it could be in five years time? Well, I mean, again, I think it does start and end with the tournaments. I think we've got to, we've got to make that tournament schedule be um, a little easier for the players to manage and to kind of line it all up a little better than it. I mean, it's it's pretty darn good this year, but there's some little back and forth that we got to kind of work on and continuing to elevate all of the events and do that at the right time with the right partners. You know, I think, again, we're super grateful for all the partners that we currently have and they all want to grow and, and continue to, to offer more opportunities to the players. But I think really nailing down what that schedule looks like and hearing from the players, like what's the off season look like? What's the, you know, when does the season start? When does it end? What's the mix of tournaments in terms of, you know, the full field events versus some of these specialty events where we get more eyeballs or the tent pole events where we get more eyeballs into the game, like a Solheim cup or an international crown or some of these unique match, the, the bank of hope match play where, where it's people are watching and bringing in new fans, but then how do we balance that with the full field events? So I think it starts and ends there with, getting that schedule that everybody gets the schedule and they go, this is awesome. Like this is amazing events at best golf courses with, with really high purses that continue to grow. And then I think the result of that is maybe that's, you know, part of the result rather than the process. But as I said before, that the, first of all, to start with the hundredth best player in the world, the hundred best players in the world make a living that's reasonable and that's commensurate with their talent right now. We're not there. So we really need to fix that. I think we want to be more relevant in the sports community, right? We want 
people to know the LPGA players. People should know who Nellie Corda is. Everybody should know who Lydia Ko is, who Lexi Thompson is. I can go down the list. Minji Lee, Ataya Tinikun. You know, people should know those should be household names. And so I want to make sure that those are household names as well as, you know, so many others, Jin Young Ko and Brooke. I mean, you know, the people should say, oh, just like they do with Serena Williams. You know, we, we need people to to be a bit to have our players be a bit more relevant in the in the global sports landscape. Um, and so we've got a strategy and we're working on that. And, and, you know, I would also like our players to, to feel like I said before, they, they arrive on that first tee ready to compete at the very highest level of their ability. And so to reduce some of the, the, the hardship of being out on the LPGA. So those are some big goals. Um, and I, I think we'll get there. I mean, I think we're close and, and we've got work to do, but I really do think we'll get there. Lastly, Molly, um, what do you hope the 10-year-old girl that went to Lake Nona with her parents over the weekend and got to walk around and, and, and see the girls on the LPGA um, play over, over last week, what do you hope is, is, is the takeaway from that for her? Because we hear so many times, you know, guys that, that you see winning on the PGA Tour and there's a picture of them, get, you know, John Rahm getting, a, getting Henrik Stenson's autograph when he was a kid at Valderrama, right? I mean, what do you hope is the takeaway for the young, for the young girls that were at the LPGA last week? Um, and, 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 and how do you think that experience can, can help them move, you know, forward in, the, in their golfing careers? Yeah, I mean, listen, part of what we do is we are, uh, you know, we, we think that we have this huge opportunity to be a platform to elevate opportunities for girls and women, not just on the golf course, but off the golf course too. So I hope that young, young athletes and young girls see golf as a great opportunity for them to make an amazing living as an athlete and being valued for their talent. But I also hope that they inspire girls just generally to be empowered and to know that they can do hard things and they can be resilient and they can be respected um, at the highest level of things that they maybe traditionally haven't been um, front and center on. So I think that's a gigantic opportunity. We're a women's organization. We're promoting girls and women with everything we do. And we're kind of intentional with that. So, you know, I, as a young, young girl watched the LPGA and my parents didn't play golf. They weren't, we weren't a golf family, but that's what I saw on TV. So I said, I want to do that. You know, I, how do I get to the public golf course and, and, and play like, uh, you know, Nancy Lopez or play like, um, you know, Meg Mallon and Beth Daniel and Kathy Whitworth. You know, these were people that I was, um, you know, I just followed all the time. Cause I said, Oh, women can be athletes and they can make a living doing this. So uh, I'm really excited about that. And I think that, um, you know, this week, for example, last week when they're playing next to the men and people were much more engaged in what the women were doing because they were the truly the best in the world. So again, that platform is really important for us. And the LPGA has been doing it for 72 years. We've been doing hard things for 72 years. And um, think about that. I mean, 22 years before Title IX, the LPGA was founded by some incredible women and people have made, a, women have made a living playing golf for 72 years, but now we got to have them make a living that's more, you know, in line with, with that world-class talent. But it's fun being out there and seeing those little girls. And you know this club, but like, who are better than our players with engaging with fans? I mean, Lexi Thompson is unbelievable. She'll, she'll sign every autograph. She'll, you know, lighten up the day of Lydia, same thing. Minji, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, Brooke is phenomenal at that. So these are ambassadors, ambassadors for women, ambassadors for the game. They do a great job in the pro-am, as you know. I mean, um, it was really fun to hear uh, Taylor uh, 
uh, Twelman talk about how great um, Moria and Celine, I think it was, who he played with, who he said, if my daughters can be half the women that these women are, um, I'll, done a, I'll have done a great job as a parent. So those are the things we're trying to do. I love that about this job. I love that about our players. And um, we have a platform and we've got to use it. Well, last week was a, a great success. I had a blast there and congrats. I'm excited to see what uh, 2023 holds for the LPJ Tour. Um, keep, keep fighting the good fight. I think you're doing a great job and um, I'm excited to see where things go. Well, thanks for caring and thanks for talking um, so you know passionately about what we do. I listened to your podcast with Ashley Buhai, which uh, I loved. I mean, and it was great that you'd watch that whole, you know, her whole back nine and that tremendous playoff. And she's just, she's lovely. I mean, all, all the women on the tour really do love the LPGA and they, they love the opportunity that they have to, to change the world. Well, we'll hope to see you out there soon and uh, keep up the good work. Okay, thanks a lot. So that was a really, really good talk with Molly Hooten. And as the commissioner of the LPJ Tour, listen, she's got a tough job, but I think she's she's doing a great job. And um, I think the LPJ is going from strength to strength. Uh, there are some unbelievable golfers on that tour. Some of the best golf swings on the planet, um, in my opinion. So I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that. That's kind of the goal of the podcast to try and bring more voices from all different kind of aspects of this crazy game. And uh, who better to talk about the women's game than Molly? So I want to thank her for doing that. Um, had a great time um, at the LPGA event last week. Um, it's always fun to, uh, I've spent so much time as, as a part of the men's game and, and it's always really cool to to go um, to a women's event and, and, and see the product, see you know the type of players. And, and, and as I said in the pod, uh, it's a great opportunity for me to go see uh, some players up close that, uh, you know, that I don't get an opportunity to see all the time. So I want to thank everyone for listening and Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We will see everyone next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.